Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Here we are for episode 16 of the Lifestyle Chase podcast, and I have with me today, Amber Capina. How are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me. So, how's your day going so far? It's been a nice, relaxing day. Um, normally I get up and go to the gym, but today I decided I would sleep in. So I've kind of just been coasting this morning, waiting for you to get here. Nice. That's awesome. Um, take us through your busiest day of the week. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm lucky in the sense, actually, I wouldn't say lucky. I feel I've really created an amazing schedule for myself where each week can look pretty different. I usually try and do clients four to five days a week. I would say that Monday is maybe my favorite day of the week, which is something that I don't think you hear very often. People don't like Mondays for some reason. I would say Mondays are usually my busiest day of the week. Um, I try and take, I used to take five clients a day. Now that it's winter, I'm really kind of like a bear and I like to slow things down. So I am taking about three clients a day and right now I'm doing three days a week. So I am fortunate enough to be able to create that. So depending on my day, it'll be like wake up, go to the gym, meditate, prepare for clients, and then I'll do four sessions. And then once that's done, it's winding down for dinner and waiting for my husband to get home. Awesome. Yeah. So if we took a time machine and we went back like five years, what would your day look like? Oh my gosh. I was unhappy five years ago. Maybe not five. Actually, that's a lie. Not unhappy. I was doing something I didn't love. I was serving and that was a full-time thing for me, which to me wasn't fulfilling. It was more of like, this is the way I make money. Um, Five years ago, I was kind of beginning to really become aware that what I wanted to do was something bigger with my life and understand spirituality or understand consciousness or energy and why things are the way they are. And so five years ago is when I knew that I wanted to shift in what I was doing, but my full-time work was being a server, which was not in full alignment, but it did get me to where I am today. So there is times that I'm very grateful for what it did for me. So what would you say was your TSN turning point for when you decide like you, you had to make a change, make that shift? Um, I began to experience anxiety, which was for me very, it's not something I dealt with. So I was like, what is happening? People talk about anxiety all the time and I didn't understand what I was experiencing or why it was there. So I wanted to look at, okay, why am I feeling this way? And I realized that being in an environment where it was predominantly alcohol consumption or um, sometimes drugs or whatever. It was felt heavy to me and it was like, this is not who I am. And people thought it was weird that I was interested in meditation or healing. So for me, I was like, okay, I got to look at why I'm having anxiety. So when I started asking myself questions, I began to realize, okay, my anxiety is actually a symptom. It's not a problem. So when I looked at it as a symptom of something maybe mental or emotional or spiritual that I was going through, I was able to look at, okay, my soul isn't in alignment with what it wants to be doing, with what it wants to be experiencing. So that was when I decided to really take full leap on self-development, taking courses, and then eventually it led me to 
the healing work that I do now. But basically when I started experiencing anxiety, I was like, okay, anxiety is not going to be my life and I'm going to figure out what is happening, why it's happening and change that. Nice. Was there any sort of pushback, like going into something like energy healing, not everybody's going to buy into it, just mm -hmm. kind of the way people are. Right. Was there any people who were really opposed to it? Well, at first, my family was a little... Not my sisters. Um, my mom at first, which is funny, because now that I talk to her, I think it was also a hidden belief that she had. Um, my dad still doesn't necessarily believe in what I do, but I mean, he grew up in a different time than I did, so I can't expect him to understand. Um, a little bit, I would say I was called weird. I was called not fun anymore. <laughs> Because when you want to meditate instead of going out, people are like, what's wrong with you? Or you want to eat healthy. So there was times where my friends were a little bit confused or thought I was different all of a sudden. So I would say there was some experience of feeling alone, but I also knew that I had to follow what I was going through and what I needed, knew that I needed to do because what, what I currently was doing was not working for me. So I knew that I had to change. And, you know, I think with anything, you're going to experience a little bit of both the support and the, and the criticism. I think with anything that you do, you're never going to have 100% support. It's <laughs> just yeah. kind of the way things, is, totally. things are. Um, so, yeah, I did experience that. But uh, it really shifted into a really positive experience for me once I pushed through it. Yeah, so, like, as things progressed, has the support kind of evolved? Like, you probably gained a lot of like solid supporters, hey? Yeah, it's um, once people saw the change in me, they really understood that what I was doing was clearly working for me. I went from, you could say I was very insecure, I was very um, jealous or competitive, and competitive in the nature of like I wanted to be other people or what I was wasn't enough and um, so I think once people realized that I was shifted from who I was to them, I showed up differently. I mean, there are people who uh, you could say I was not friends with and now I talk to them regularly or they have become a part of my life. And I think that because I changed, it allowed a dynamic to change between people. So yeah, I mean, now I went, I feel, I feel really supported in what I do. That's good. Um, in doing your healing, have you found you've created big change in the people closest to you? Like, have, have you had an effect through your passion on people close to you? Absolutely. Um, so I, I see the interconnectedness of all things. So everything influences or has a ripple effect. And I really saw that in my own life, especially with my family, is my sisters are also doing healing work. So the more that we did healing work, the more that our family began to heal. So I saw a lot of shifts, specifically in my dad. Um, I used to call my dad like a hard ass and he was mean and he never listened and he never was compassionate. And now my dad listens to me, but it's also because of what I've done and how I've changed and grown that it's allowed him to change and grow with me without him even doing any of the work. So. I've seen tons of people, friends, family, uh, even my clients, the more that I grow, the more that they grow. That's awesome. Yeah. So going back to your childhood, I ask a lot of my guests kind of different qualities that they were as a kid and different things that their, their parents put forth 
that molded them into what they are. What would you say are three qualities of you as a kid that are still in alignment with you as today? <laughs> I would say I'm very, I am like a introverted extrovert. Okay. Um, is that how it, it's one of, like, you know, that saying, I can't remember how Like on a playground, how would you be? Would you be like asking everybody to play tag or would you just find the tires so and just spin around? <laughs> um, you know, there are times where I'm very outgoing and times yeah. where I'm very reserved. As a kid, I, I think I developed strong suits to make myself feel um, maybe more comfortable and one of them was being outgoing and playful. I'm very silly. I'm very childlike and that's something I would never want to lose. It's really a part of who I am. I love talking in different character voices. I love like playing around and goofing around with my sisters, even my husband. Like I am totally childlike and I really love that about myself. So I would say that I'm still playful like I was as a child. I am still quiet and outgoing like I was as a child. Um, and I'm an overthinker like I was <laughs> when I was a child, which I think most people can relate to is learning to move from the mind and back into the experience. But yeah, I think those would be three qualities. Makes sense. And sometimes like I find with a lot of people through fitness, through wellness, all those industries, when we're most anxious is kind of when we're drifting away from one of those qualities. Mm -hmm. Which of those would you say you drifted furthest away when you felt anxious? Uh, that is a difficult question. I think there was a, a few things that I drifted away from. One was like that intuitive inner knowing that I was doing something that wasn't fulfilling or wasn't aligning with my deepest needs as well as when I became um, a healer or called myself one, I was very intimidated or felt like I couldn't be childlike and playful because I needed to now have this healer persona who's like calm and relaxed all the time, which I am both. So I had to realize that it's okay, I'm still playful and childlike and consider myself a healer. So I had to realize that I didn't have to only be one thing. I could be all the things that I am. So when I stopped or was trying to mask my playful side, I think that was when it was like, oh, I'm not expressing myself. I'm not being me. And I had to remember that it's okay to do that. So just kind of contrasting from trying to match an image of what you think it is to just following your gut and being what you, you feel. Totally. And I mean, as as a healer, I there are times where I don't fit the stereotype or people are like, why is this young white girl doing it? So I've, I've been asked that before. So there are times where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm young. You know, I've been called a millennial. So is, is all of a sudden that not okay? Like, do I have to look a certain way to be a healer? Do I have to be a certain race to be a healer? So I went, I went through that as well, where I, I was questioning like, if, if I fitted something that people were believed was a healer. So I had to go through my own healing journey on that too because you know we're coming through an age where people are really becoming aware of things that need to heal or just even dealing with their emotions or understanding that their emotions and what they're going through is okay. So that was one thing that I totally went through with not feeling fully accepted for what I looked like or my age. Makes sense. Yeah. So going back to your parents now, what are three qualities that you could pick up from each parent that you would say you embody now? 
<laughs> oh, I feel like I'm so different from my parents. There's always something. You have yeah. to dig deep sometimes. Totally. My mom is very nurturing and I believe I'm very nurturing. My mom is so supportive and she shows up and I believe that I've embodied showing up for people. Um, from my dad, I really think I developed independence from him. So I used to be mad that I had to work for things when I was younger or that um, he instilled work ethic in me. And even though my work ethic didn't show up maybe the way other people's has or the way that he thought it would, but he really instilled that like, if I want something, I have to create it. And I think that I've done that. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, how did you know that Jesse was the one for you? Oh, I knew immediately. I uh, <laughs> I went to Central's grand opening on December 14th of 2012. And I went with a friend. And it's funny, my, this is when I was really kind of meeting more spiritual people. And she was my first spiritual friend. So she called me and said, I'm getting this feeling you're supposed to be with me tonight. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go wherever you tell me to go. <laughs> um, she's very intuitive. So I went with her and she took me to Central's Grand Opening, which at that point I didn't even know that that place was open. So I went with her and then we spent the evening there. And at the end of the night, I like Jesse was sitting at the table right behind us. So I had talked to one of the managers that night and I was like, we're currently working at a different restaurant that I hated, so I knew I needed to make a shift. I was like, I'm going to work here. So I had decided that that's where I was going to go. And then someone introduced me to Jesse, and I turned my head, and I looked at Chelsea, and I said, I'm going to marry him. It was just kind of looking at his eyes. It was kind of that I wouldn't say love at first sight. It really felt like I'm remembering, like I knew him already on some level. So it was the moment I met him that I knew he was the one. And then a year later, we ended up starting dating. That's oh, pretty neat. Yeah. I like that. So there's like a little bit of a spark. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Um, with your healing practice, who would you say that you look up to the most? Pick three people. Because it would probably be easy to pick one because I know you have like your, your mentor that you learn yeah. a lot from. But well, let's pick three. Three people? You bet. I would definitely say my teacher, Pete Bernard is my number one. He really kind of found something in me that I didn't know. And he is just like, he's been, he was trained when he was eight years old. So he's really embodied the work and lives it. So he was my number one inspiration for sure. Um, and are you asking like more people in my life or it could be people in your life. It could be people in that industry. Just People who make you become better at being spiritual or aware of your energy. Okay. Um, I would say my sister, Lindsay, is another one. She, she was, she kind of also guided me into this path a little bit. And since, I, I mean, she's the person I call and go to for most things. She's my support system. She's the like the one person who I swear I can tell her anything and she already understands it on like a level that nobody else could. So she really inspires me. And the third person, oh, there's just so many people. I have to say my husband, which might seem cheesy, but I've, since I've met him, I 
kind of pushed him into this spiritual world and he like ran right into it and he's got more of like a yang energy so he is really he went and did some self-development courses and I would consider like self-development coaching programs more yang and spiritual gentler emotional healing through yin um, so he's very yang but I love that it brings more yang because I'm very yin, so I we're like yin and yang. That's so cheesy, but it's true. Um, so I would say him because he he has such an amazing perspective, and he true. I've never seen like he cares. Like I, he cares about every single person he interacts with, and to see him show up like that for every single person in his life makes me want to show up like that for every single person rather than just having like a interaction, having a meaningful connection. And he has meaningful connections all day, every day. Yeah, totally. And it's, it kind of speaks to the point that every interaction that you have with people counts for something. Yeah. Like people will walk through a grocery store and just like kind of glare the whole time and like you've yeah. impacted people's day, whether you want to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you take like the, the resting bitch face, face off <laughs> and you walk through and you're pumped and you're happy and you're thinking good thoughts, yeah. you could positively impact a person or holding the door, stuff like that. Absolutely. Like you can't do enough of that. With talking on mental health, I know that social media plays a big role. Have you found that there's a correlation to social media with the amount of like healing that people need? You know, mental health is is a really big topic. Um, And I think that now we're coming into a time where people feel more comfortable to be vulnerable and, and share what they're going through and seek out assistance in any type of professional area that they choose. I don't necessarily believe that everyone that has been diagnosed with mental health has mental health issues. I mean, I could have went to the doctor when I had what I would have considered anxiety and um, and f- like it was to me, it was fear, but it was showing up physically like um, physical reactions and the anxiety. I could have totally been prescribed something by going in and now too people get prescribed things when they lose a family member and i think that we don't necessarily need to medicate everything i think that it's okay that we have emotions and we need tools to move through them and how to work through them and i mean if medication needs to be in your life and it's it's going to help you through what you're doing absolutely i'm not i'm not i'm not saying anti-medication i just i believe that there is multi multi faceted areas that we can work on it and feel supported because going through emotion doesn't necessarily mean you need to that you have something or you know and I I, and I've had people in my life who have been you know diagnosed with things and then they have worked through it through coaching programs through spiritual healing through yoga through meditation and all of a sudden they're like whoa I actually don't even have this like it wasn't a thing I needed to move through I realized what the root cause of it was so, I mean, I think that it's something that needs to be talked about more and, and that we need to understand it's okay to be going through something and maybe ask more questions about it and ask the whys. What, where, what triggered it? What, why is it showing up? How many Have you felt this before in your life? Because most of the time we've experienced our emotions more than once. That's why you understand that you're feeling fear or you're feeling anger because it's being triggered. And so all the other times in your life that you've experienced anger, it's it's lighting up as well too because your your cellular memory remembers everything. So I think that it's such a big topic and it's it would be wonderful to see more 
more support in it in in different ways that isn't necessarily medication and if it needs to be it needs to be um but yeah i think it, i think there's lots that can be done that hasn't haven't necessarily been fully discovered or fully endeavored yet nice but like even with uh going through like a story on instagram or do you ever find you get into the news feed and then you just can't stop or even if it's just like looking at puppy videos <laughs> just like <laughs> two hours of puppy videos and then the little baby giggling in between. Because I find I could waste like two hours if I don't just chuck my phone across the room. But I, I also would have to say I correlate some of that like phone taking you in, like being into this almost alternate reality. Totally. With, with like mental health, do you ever think it's going to get to a point where we have to limit the amount that grown adults are on their phone or yeah i mean i think technology is wonderful however it it creates this need to have it now like instant gratification that um how fast is my internet like things show up like this so i think sometimes it now creates that i need everything to show up like this yeah and especially in healing people are like well i want to feel this second and it has a way of growing out just kind of like when you plant a flower, it doesn't grow that second. It goes through its process. So I think that is an issue with technology and social media. I would say I used to be really bad for being on my phone all day. I can honestly say now I actually feel a little bit like it's, it takes a little bit more effort for me, especially these last few months to actually get on my phone and to, to stay in contact with people because it's such a, I mean, we have to stay with the times, right? So now I find that for me, it's, it's, pretty easy to like not not spend too much time on my phone especially instagram i used to be obsessive with it and that was when i had a lot of self-worth stuff so i was like looking for everything and triggering all my wounds so now i find that there's more things that i would prefer to do and i think it's honestly just going to come with evolution as a human and the more that we spend time with technology the less time we're spending evolving as a being i agree and like with this podcast too, a lot of people, when I'm like asking them if they'll be on, they're like, oh, are we doing this over the phone or what? And I usually try and have it so it's like in person because mm -hmm. I find like having like face-to-face -face connections and real conversations is just good for people in general. And then for myself, it's kind of like my life hack because every week I know I'll interact with a human being for like an hour, like a good, genuine conversation. And I think it's such a good way to like maintain wellness because just like i would go to the gym you have to like practice interacting with people and mm -hmm. learning from them and asking questions and sharing stuff so like, it's so important people people get on this uh this route that they need to to make everything more efficient and to make things efficient, they put more things online or they put things through like Skype calls and stuff. But sometimes we need to like go back to caveman years when we all like huddle around the fire making making like a steak out of a old buffalo. Or <laughs> I don't know what cavemen do. There's no buffalo. Bad analogy. But we need to go back to the more simple times. Totally. Not let not let our phone screens completely dictate all of our interactions and all of our friendships and stuff like that mm -hmm. need to go back to basics. Totally. I think that um, now 
using your phone or your screen is a way of actually hiding yourself and the way that you present yourself on social media you can you know make sure that your makeup's fully done or that you're ready to go or that you are presenting yourself a certain way that you want to be perceived there are a lot of instagram accounts that are like beautiful travel and you know they're sitting in their living room they're not traveling they just took a bunch of photos with a bunch of different outfits and it's not actually what's happening so i think that we we hide behind our screens and then all of a sudden it's like you said like when you go to the gym and you see someone sometimes people begin to feel awkward or uncomfortable because now it's actually like I'm looking you in your eyes and I'm seeing you and you don't have a way to protect yourself. So I think that we've really come into an age where technology is a form of isolating ourselves. It's funny, like I'll have some people that follow me on Instagram and I follow them back because like, I'm kind of one of those people where if you follow me, I'll generally follow you back as long as I know you're like in the area and not like someplace 2000 kilometers away I don't know maybe not 2000 anyways um, and I've had it happen like if I'm out in a bar or something just waiting for somebody and one of the people who follows me comes up and says oh hey I follow you and I'm like yeah I know like I recognize you and they're like oh uh and then I message you sometimes I'm like I know I message you back and then like it's just they're so timid to the idea of like, I've already acknowledged them, I consider them a friend, and if I see them, I'll nod and wave, and if I'm having an off day, I might not notice them, but, like, if if I've interacted with somebody on a social media platform, then I've considered them to be just the same in person, too, so if I run into them in Edmonton, then, of course, I would say hi, and it's not going to be like, oh, well, I didn't know about you, like, I don't recognize you from, from your pictures kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just so good to have these authentic uh, communications with people. Totally. And, like, it's funny because Edmonton is such a small city. Like, the the more you meet people, the more you realize that it's, like, that seven degrees of separation. Like, everybody at least knows one person that knows another person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's good because that's, like, a, a supportive structure. It keeps people grounded. It helps them uh, move forward because... Sometimes you need to know a plumber, and everybody knows somebody who knows a plumber. So, on to the topic of your healing circles, because I've gone to a few of those and always had a good experience. What was the very first healing circle that you did like? Was it scary? Oh my gosh, yes. I was, you know, during the day I felt like oddly calm. Usually, before healing circles, I, I experience nerves and excitement Um, my first one, I remember being super shocked because I was nervous to do it and I wasn't even sure, like, is anyone going to come? And I had 32 people show up to my first one and I was blown away. I did it in my backyard and I think I was, I kept it pretty basic on an introduction of myself and, um, awareness and how healing, like basics of healing kind of thing. But I was, I was absolutely terrified. And then as soon as it was over, I had a hanger in my mouth, couldn't stop smiling and felt like, how have I been avoiding doing this for so long? So it was really uh, a fulfilling experience. That's awesome. How has it evolved now? Like I know you have a few different initiatives that you do outside of your one-on-one healing. What other things are you doing these days? I am... Um, 
I yeah, do the healing circles. I try and do them once a month, maybe once every second month, depending. I do space clearings, which is going to your home, your business, or land. It's kind of like when you are in a house and you are like, ooh, it feels, feels weird, or I don't like it here. Or you run up the stairs as fast as you can because something's scaring you in the basement, you don't know what it is. I go to the house and I heal the space. So everything, because everything is consciousness, it lays down imprints and energetic imprints. So if there has been, let's say, abuse in the house, the house carries that. If there's been bankruptcy, it carries that feeling of like failure or fear or loss. So sometimes it's too why houses won't sell is because people walk in and just the consciousness of it is subconsciously felt by the person and they choose not to spend time. It's why sometimes in certain businesses, like you'll see buildings they're flipping constantly there's something happening energetically in the building that is not sustainable for success so we heal the blueprint of the house and we can create the energy of what it is that the person wants in the home or the building or space Uh, so i do that and then i also work on animals which is one of my favorite things to do i worked on a dog yesterday so usually i will travel to the animal odd time I will have um, a distance session where I work on the animal from here. I've worked on animals that aren't in Edmonton. So because everything is energy, the energy can transmute and hit the animal, quite, not hit, but like be transferred to the animal quite quickly. Uh, it's kind of like how we don't really have to wait for the light. The light is just here. So I do that as well. And I've worked on horses. I've worked on cats. I've worked on dogs. And usually those are the animals that people come to me with. My teacher works on snakes, which personally I would not like to. (laughs) But yeah, so that's mostly what I do is one-on-one sessions, healing circles, space clearings, and then animal sessions. Nice. What's been the most fulfilling uh, session that you've had with an animal? Um, It had to have been... uh, there's, There's been a few... Can I share a few? Do you mind? Yeah. Um, so one, I have rescue Shaggy. He he um, wasn't ever trained, and he's five years old. So it's kind of difficult to train a dog when they're that old. So he was pooping and peeing in the house, and as you know, it's it's not wonderful when the animals are doing that, and they you take them outside and they just stand there, and then you come in the house and they go pee. So I did a session, and animals respond so quickly that usually they actually only need like 10 to 20 minute sessions. So it took me 10 minutes. I did a behavioral correction with him, and now he goes to the bathroom outside, which is amazing. So that was really amazing because it also made my husband super happy. Okay. <laughs> and um, also with Frank, he was in the hospital. He was suffering from pancreatitis. So I did a session on him. I asked people to send blessings to him and I had another healer do a session on him at the same time I, or around the same time I did. And the last time he had pancreatitis, he was in the hospital for a week and a half and it was, as you can imagine, very expensive and very emotional. Mm-hmm. So we did this session on him and the next, like within eight hours, they called us and he was doing better. So he responded really quickly. So that was really fulfilling as well. Um, I also worked on a 
rescue horse that had experienced abuse and that was and seeing like the horse like leaned into me and put its weight on me and seeing it go from a space of fear to trusting someone was it's just like something you can't even put words into it's it's just filled with love and compassion and gratitude that's awesome yeah. and then you talked about like space clearing yeah. and like houses and stuff have mm -hmm. you ever worked with a realtor for that kind of stuff um i haven't I've considered doing that. I've never really spent time reaching out to them. Um, Jesse has like mentioned it to his friends, and I think that eventually it might it might be a thing. But as of right now, I haven't done that yet. That's fair. Yeah. Just like totally popped into my head. I was like, wow. Like if yeah. that actually sold a house, like realtors would be all over that. Yeah, I know. Um, there's a woman who she's not in Edmonton, but she does it where. She'll do a space clearing, and then if the house sells in, I think it's like four weeks, she gets a certain percentage. So she does it for free, and if it doesn't sell, doesn't. But she's never had a house not sell. Nice. So it's it's pretty cool what energy does because we feel it all the time and we forget because we don't necessarily tune into the space around us and what it's creating for us. Well, I know there's at least one realtor that listens to this podcast. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> So, on the topic of, well, actually, I think I saw in your story you were healing a baby recently. Oh, yeah. So, how does a baby's healing process compare to an adult's? Babies are also like animals where they don't need as long of a session. They, they don't have the same way our mind gets in the way. So, if someone comes to me for healing... They might leave and be like, well, did that work? What am I, is this going to happen? What if this happens? What if I'm like, what if I still feel this way? And I kind of go into that thought process, which can slow it down. Babies and animals just experience. So um, depending on what I'm working on, I mean, I've worked on children from distance most of the time because uh, they usually don't like to sit still. They like to play around and move. So usually I will work on them and then they integrate the healing when they're sleeping. So it depends on what they're experiencing. A lot of the time, I mean, parents sometimes want to fix their children or change their child's behavior. And I usually like to recommend that the parent maybe looks at themselves because if we can change, then our child can change. And the child usually isn't the issue. Um, sometimes it's just nice to work if their child is having like maybe physical issues with health, then that's when we'll go into it. But more often I will recommend that the parent does some work. And then if, if needed, we'll work on the child. Makes sense. And like that, that's a good way to see it because I've seen some really good commercials where they, they show like a kid with bad behavior, yeah. but then they show what the parent's doing and the parent is actually doing just that. And so mm -hmm. the, the kid's only doing what they're seeing the parent do. Yeah. And so totally like if, if there's something to be fixed, it might as well start with, with the parent. They're setting the example. Yeah. Um, what has been the most profound change that you've seen with like an adult that you've done healing with? most profound change um i really also believe that the the subtle changes are the most important ones i mean we've healed physical health uh, issues that are maybe said that they cannot be healed or they cannot be nothing can be done about it so seeing physical things shift for someone is really amazing um i love seeing people go from a state of fear or feeling rejected or feeling alone or not good enough, moving into feeling comfortable with who they are. 
because they're going to have a big impact on the world when they show up and be who they are meant to be and make the impact that they are meant to make. So I've seen, it's really hard to narrow it down. I've seen people, you know, I've had clients come in with nightmares. They have recurring nightmares every single night and we do one session and their nightmares are gone. Or um, healing. My sister had um, really painful eyesight. So whether she's wearing glasses or not, she, her eyes were sore. And if you can imagine, like if you've had a sore eye, it's not fun to like spend your day looking at things. So she had really painful eyes. Um, I didn't work on her. Someone else did. And her eyes were healed after one session. Um, people like, it's just unbelievable what we can do. And I really believe there is no limit to what we can heal. The limit is your belief system. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had somebody come into a session and just not buy into it and then they leave unchanged? Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I've had skeptics come in and if if I'm really asking a question and if they're really a skeptic, why are they here? If they really don't want healing, why are they here? Mm-hmm. Um, so most often people, I haven't had someone be like, oh, I hated that. It was terrible. I mean, I haven't. Or if they have, they have not said it to me. Yeah. Most often I have people <coughs> feel feel something or feel different. I've had people be like, I don't believe in energy work. And then they get it done. They're like, I actually could feel everything that was happening. So I can't say that I've had, um, an experience where someone has left unchanged. I believe that something always occurs and it might just be subtle and they just don't know it yet. So in a lot of times, and I could probably speak to this because from my experiences, I found the more like calm and grounded I become, the more amplified like the the healing circle or whatever it is mm-hmm. becomes. Um, I'd have to say a person that was reluctant on healing or reluctant on the effects of healing would probably see the effects, but it would just take a while to sort of transition. It would take some time for them to actually get into that place for them to be ready for yeah I mean I can't I can't make someone change yeah um, I always say that I'm not the one healing you I'm facilitating the process and you're healing yourself so I mean yeah there are people who maybe they don't want to give up their issues so if they're maybe angry or resentful or they don't want to let go of something that's happened to them that can totally get in the way of their healing because you still have to choose it healing is a choice So usually I've had experiences with people where at first they're reluctant and then they experience something and the experience opens them up and then it's just learning to change their behaviors and their way of being so that they can continue the process. And they're like, oh, I keep trying to stop myself from healing. I keep trying to be angry. I keep wanting to be mad at someone. So it begins with the awareness that they have. So they can show up reluctant. If they stay reluctant, then there's not much I can do. Um... But most of the time, people end up breaking open. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. So for our listeners that don't quite know what your healing looks like, you don't really use crystals so much, do you? Like, Not really. Yeah. Um, I used to really be fascinated with crystals. I do have crystals in my healing room. They're more so for the, the amplifying effects. So crystals are amplifiers. 
So whatever you're experiencing, they they will amplify it. So it's kind of like I made that joke on Instagram, if you, if you can remember a while back, where Spencer Pratt has all these crystals on him and he's super angry. He's like vibrating. And his friend's like, they're not working. He's like, I know they're not working. That's why I have hundreds on me. And it's funny because he has all these crystals on him and they're just amplifying his experience. So healing, uh, they do have healing qualities they have a healing structure, but I believe that they are a tool. And if you hold a crystal, it's not necessarily going to change your life. You have to be a part of the process. Mm -hmm. So I don't use them very much. I use stones, which generally I will try and I earn them all through um, ceremony and through my training with my teacher. So stones are grounding and they help that kind of earthing rooted feeling as well as pulling the energy. So it's kind of like that support system rather than necessarily feeling the amplification. Cool. Yeah, I just oftentimes because I'll tell other people, I'm like, hey, I go to like these healing circles. I've had a session with her. Like I've actually found it to be really helpful. And then they'll always create their own image of what it's like. They're like, oh, I just sprinkle some crystals on you and says, oh, I have a good one kind of thing. Yeah. Like I just want to make sure that listeners sort of understand like what the experience is like. Mm -hmm. um, something really cool. I was looking back in my calendar from last year. I think it was like last December 21st, I got to come in for a session with you and I was still at my old job. Yeah. So working full time at the warehouse and I just remember feeling really heavy and just like lots of tension that day. And I didn't really know what kind of an effect a healing session would have on me. And so this is kind of how it went. I got here, I was like super nervous and started the healing session, just lots of like breathing, focusing on that. And as it kind of went on, well actually like before we, we chatted back and forth about some things that I wanted to work on mm -hmm. and I never realized how helpful it was to really just call out those things that I wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. And started breathing and then I found like I, sort of fell asleep right away and I just remember like every so often I'd wake up like sort of twitching or whatever and it just it felt like I had a lot of like pent-up negative energy mm -hmm. and then after I felt like a million bucks yeah <laughs> so like I I can speak to the effects of it and it is a very difficult thing for a person to buy into and especially with like with there's not too too many personal trainers that that do this kind of stuff there are a lot but it's it's something that there is always going to be a bit of like reluctancy to to buy into it but for myself going into my transition into the fitness industry like it totally helped it helped me have a clear head and just kind of think more clearly about right. like what I needed and from that point I it was like February when I left my old job and now I'm a contractor for a gym I basically run my own business like I'm all in which is what you wanted to do yeah, yeah. so like I would have to say it works yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so good it's it's helpful and yeah. then when the healing circles come around I usually kind of check advances coming because like there's not too many dudes that go to them and I'm like, I go to tons of spin classes. So I'm used to going to things where it's like 90% girls. But when there's other guys, then it's a little less intimidating. Mm -hmm. But the healing circles have always been good too. And I just think it's, 
it's something that uh, is fun to, to bring attention to because it's something that has helped me. It's not something that everybody will be able to work with because they have to buy into it. They're kind of doing the work on themselves, sort of, as you say. But it's been just such a helpful facet. Like, if you're, if you're feeling heavy weight from anything in your life, it's good. Um, what has been the biggest obstacle that you've overcome that you've overcome with healing? Well, there's so many things that I've overcome. I used to have a lot of, not health issues, but I got sick all the time. I had digestive issues. I had cystic acne. So I healed a lot of physical things that seemed impossible or that doctors just told me that's just a part of my makeup. Um, so realizing too that like my acne was related to, you know, self-worth and my anger and my digestive system was related to past life karma. So I went through a lot of physical changes. I went through a lot of emotional changes. I used to feel very uncomfortable speaking to people. I felt really awkward. I felt like I would honestly try and hide. Like if I saw someone I knew, I would, I'd move the other way. And now I like move towards that person. So I've really seen changes in just how I feel free to be in life. So that sense of freedom and self-expression and just allowing myself to experience life rather than trying to hide from it was a really big change for me, which I think, you know, a lot of people experience it and sometimes they're not even aware that that's what they're doing. So what I've learned through healing is everything is consciousness. Everything is a rate, a frequency, a vibration, and it slows down into matter like the physical. So I've learned that because everything is energy and consciousness, it can be shifted. It can change. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is. it has to stay the way it is. So being able to know that there's unlimited potential that we can tap into has transformed my life. It has allowed me to create the things that I never thought I'd be able to create. And I've seen myself grow so much that it's hard to, to narrow it down because I just feel like I've grown into this person that I wanted to be and, and felt like I couldn't be before. Um, and I also just wanted to clarify, people always ask me like what it is that I do. So people always ask me if I do Reiki and I don't do Reiki. I do, I'm trained in shamanism. So I work with consciousness and energy medicine. So I have different medicine rites that allow me to work with different types of energy or different types of forces. And a lot of what we do is healing through consciousness where we go into your subconscious mind and, and I make you do the work to heal and change it. And then we also do energy work. So I've really realized that there's so much that we can tap into within ourselves. Kind of like how if you look at even at science, you know, they, when you look at our DNA, there's 98% of it, they don't know what it does. They know what 2% of it does and they call it chunk, junk DNA. And that... 98% is like, there is information there that maybe we just can't tap into or we haven't figured it out. It is related to our ancestors, our hidden talents, our, um, our past lives. It's got like everything that you have been, will be, and that is, is, is within you already. So being able to tap into this divine intelligence that is already within you and creating the life that you want. I like it. 
And I like that you brought up the Reiki thing because mm -hmm. basically this is my main experience with the healing. But every time I tell somebody I'm going to like a healing circle, they're like, oh yeah, I know what that is. It's Reiki. I'm like, uh, it's not Reiki. Yeah. But it's just because it's not a very common thing for people to, to go and do it. They just kind of pick their one thing that they know about it and just call it that. Yeah, Reiki is like one of the most well-known forms of healing or spiritual or energy medicine. So it is really, it's, yeah, people are more aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've also been, I've been trained in animal healing. That was the, the first thing that I did. Um, but... I, I, I just say that just because I don't want to I don't want people to think that I'm doing something that I'm not doing yeah and that they know where my training lies I also oh. am like I'm a big like everyone needs to you need to be trained in what you're doing like personal trainers don't just guess and self-teach themselves and then go take clients they they understand what the physical body like the anatomy they understand what is good for the body or how to work with certain bodies exactly yeah. you know we don't um, we don't needle ourselves we let acupuncturists who are trained to do it so I really believe that uh, training matters. So I'm super grateful that I have my teacher and and that I get to work in the shamanic world. Yeah. That's awesome. For five years down the road, what do you foresee yourself doing? Is it going to be like the same thing? Do you have like goals? What, yeah. What's your future like? I have lots of things that I want to be doing. Time frame, five years, I will definitely say that I will be having children. I have always wanted to be a mother. And... I will hopefully have a book written. That's another thing that I want to do. And continue teaching. I want to teach more. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what's your book going to be about? I have a couple of uh, ideas going. I want to have one that's based around healing, and like the basics of healing and, and a little bit of what I've learned through it. And then another one is going to be about relationships and how to create a relationship in your life. Jesse and I get messages all the time because our relationship is truly amazing. So I, I, I would love to share how, you know, Jesse and I previously in our relationships before each other, never, I wouldn't call them healthy. <laughs> I would call them very wounded and, mm -hmm. and unhappy. So <coughs> I would love to write a book on relationships and how to, how to really show up so that your relationship can be what you've dreamed of. Do you have a strategy for how you're going to do the book? Because I know a lot of people, I've actually have got, mm. I think, my episode two guest, whichever episode it was, it was Mike McApinlack. He has authored, I think, five books now. Wow. And his strategy was basically just, instead of just thinking, like, one day down the road, I'm going to do it, he would just, like, lay out a certain amount of time, write out a certain amount of words, and just, like, hammer through it yeah do you have a strategy do you have like a deadline that you have to have a book out by this date I used to you know I honestly thought I was gonna have a book out this year but I did not spend enough time writing I have them started um I definitely know like my relationship book is going to be kind of like you work through it like I'll give you assignments or things to work through on your own so that you can become aware of your patterns and then how to change them um, so I have a little bit of a strategy laid out. I have some of it written. So I know, I remember when I was writing to, I was like, oh, I need to do this more. So that is 
something I'd love to have done within Ooh. the next five years for sure. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You should definitely like set a deadline. Make yourself yeah, accountable. I know. Oh, now that I've the... said it here, I've got more yeah. people that'll be oh, holding me accountable. This is the moment where <laughs> your butt got kicked into gear. Exactly. Damn it. I yeah. have to write it now. I said it. Yeah. Oh. Totally. Stupid Chris. <laughs> Would you have it released on Amazon? Would you want it published? You know, I've, I have I have a friend who just self-published a book, so that's something I would consider. Um, I would love to have it published. I would love to have it in bookstores. Like, I would yeah. love to see it in chapters. Yeah. I would love that. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to limit myself to a certain company that, mm-hmm. like, I mean, Hay House would be amazing, but I'm going to see what i what i can do on my own and and see what the universe brings me <laughs> totally like even if you just start with like the ebook and then just like push for whatever you can get yeah let it i was gonna start by creating like a workbook mm-hmm. so maybe it would be shorter like 30 pages and that would be something that maybe could be purchased online um and then using that to expand into my book so i've got a few ideas rolling it's now just time to sit down and do it awesome Mm -hmm. and now you're held accountable exactly i'll be hearing from you soon i bet (laughs) (laughs) um so at the healing dinner that you had and that food was awesome by the Mm -hmm. way yeah it's funny because like vance and i loaded up on beets and we were both panicking the next day because beets yeah (laughs) i was like i might die and then i looked in the instagram story and he was like i thought i was dying yeah it's like oh both of us but in any case there's a lot of like chit chat going back and forth and i think i heard you say that you might consider doing sort of like sort of like a podcast but like a recorded meditation thing yeah are you ever gonna do it i want to i want to design a meditation for sure i i believe that meditations like my teacher his are like scientific in the way that he does them and they're very like well laid out so if i did a meditation like i want it to be really well done so that's something i would want to do i've been asked to do a podcast i've been asked to uh, do like youtube videos so i need like there's just so many things that i want to do right now that it's 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 totally hard to fit like all my clients and all of it in in one day plus i i like I like to take care of myself and yeah. meditate and read or whatever. So it's definitely something I want to do. Like creating a meditation is probably the first thing that I would want to do and then expand from that. Awesome. Yeah. Good to hear. That was just another accountability piece. That I, I know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> and like to be quite honest, like you're seeing how this podcast is done. It's pretty, pretty simple. Like yeah. for, for myself, I think I pay about 130 a year for mine to be hosted. Right. But there's also ways you can be hosted for free. Usually the trade-off is they'll cap you at a certain amount of time or they'll throw an advertisement on there or they won't let you be the author of your content. Mm. But I chose this option because then if like if somebody wants to talk to me on my podcast for three hours, then I'm good. Right. And I never have to worry about like some third party advertising being thrown into my podcast. Mm-hmm. And if it ever got ranked up high, like my podcast got ranked 34th in Canada for fitness and nutrition for a day once. Amazing. So that was kind of cool. That is amazing. So when it gets ranked up there, then it shows me as the author rather than like the the content host. Right. So then that's sort of like a a point of pride for me. Mm -hmm. And I took it as like an investment. Basically, this is sort of like a self-development piece for me. Right. You want to own it. Because, well, yeah, like I'm owning it, but then also, um, 
every guest that I meet, whether they're like super wise, whatever thing that they're into, whether they're a teacher, whether they're a healer, whether they're another trainer, everybody has something to offer. Mm -hmm. Even like if I chat with my nieces, they're, they're just little kids and I could talk to them for an hour and I'll learn something from them. Like that's why interaction is so helpful. So in me getting this hour each week, give or take, that's sort of like me paying for personal development. It's totally. Absolutely. So we're going into our very last question. Okay. And this is something I ask all of my guests. What is the one piece of advice that you would give someone on how to authentically live their life to the fullest? I would recommend being gentle with yourself and allowing yourself to follow that calling and that burning that you feel in your body kind of like how you probably felt when you wanted to do this podcast or when someone wants to dance or write like listen to what your body is telling you because we seek out external validation and information all the time and that's something that like you know clients will come in and they'll ask me to read them that's not what I do I don't read you I don't want to read you. I want to help you become aware of who you are. So investigate yourself, act like you are the journalist of your life and find out why you are the way you are and then change what you need to change so that you can become who you want to be. That's awesome. I love it. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me.